0: God, we thank you so much for your provision. God, we thank you so much for being our Lord. Thank you that if we just be still and know that you are God, you take care of all things. You're sovereign. And God, not only that, you love us. Your grace is upon us. You forgive us. And not only that, Lord, you are so wise, Lord, in how you handle our lives, God, as we submit to you. And, Lord, as we come before you today, as we open your word, we ask that you would speak into our hearts, that you would change us. And, Lord, help us see things in a different way. Help us have a different perspective on how you work, Lord. And help us to receive that and to move in that direction, Lord, in our lives. So, God, we give you this time. We give you our hearts. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would anoint this right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen amen now let, let's see if you can guess who this is a 15 year old boy was in trouble he was kicked out of his school in munich for his lack of interest and his head master actually brought him into his office and said your presence in the class destroys the respect of the students while well, growing up for this boy wasn't that great either as a boy he he was slow to learn his his parents even thought you're, you're you're not normal you're abnormal and his teachers even called him a misfit when he tried to enter a, a college in switzerland uh, in zurich switzerland he failed the entrance exam he went to a different school came back to apply to this school for inter internship but was rejected again then he worked as a tutor for this boarding house for boys but then soon was fired seemed to fail there finally imagined managed to keep a job in a patent office in switzerland who is this man anyone guess einstein you got it A. you get an a today wow a star Some someone find a star anyway yes it's the famous albert einstein you know interesting thing in 1905 he first published his his theory of relativity right most of us don't understand about but know that he had put that out but you know what in 1905 no one really believed or even listened to him that much it wasn't until 1915 10 years later that scientists began to listen began to accept that famous E equals MC squared equation. Isn't that interesting? Even for Albert Einstein, the world looked upon him as something foolish, something different, something not right. Well, as we continue in our study through the book of First Corinthians, we find there are things the world sees as foolish, but it is actually the wisdom of God, And so I titled our message this morning, The Foolish Things of God. The Foolish Things of God. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 18 through 31. We're going to go through the rest of this chapter. We went from verse 1 through verse 17 last week. So we're going to pick it up from verse 18. Now our passage is broken up into three parts. And this is our outline. Number one the power to save number two the place of wisdom and number three the people god chooses so let's begin here with the foolish things of god first corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 number one in our outline is the power to save the power to save take a look with me here now first corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 says for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What we begin here, Paul is continuing in this letter, writing now how the message of the cross, what is that? Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, how the message of the cross is foolishness. The word foolishness here means nonsense. In the original language, in the Greek, it means ridiculousness, ridiculousness <laughs> it means uh, yeah, yeah you know you, you get it right, and so it is foolishness that Christ crucified for our sins is nonsense to those who are perishing, who's that to those who are not saved, to those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, to those who are on their way to destruction. They're perishing in their sins. But, he says, to us or to believers who are being saved, that means that you're saved and now you're in that process of sanctification. You're being changed into that image of Christ. You're saved, you have eternal life, but you're in that process now on your way to heaven. So to us, to believers who are being saved, it is the power of, of God. It's that saving, transforming work of God. That's what Paul is saying. Now, last week we saw Paul addressing, the last thing we saw in our study last week, we saw Paul was addressing the contentions that were going on in the church, the divisions in this Corinthian church, this church in Cor- Corinth. People, you remember, were making cliques, yeah? They were they were making groups uh, they were going under the person who had baptized them. And Paul's like, hey, you know, some say you follow Ap- Apollos or some say you follow me or, or Peter and all that. But, you know, we can't do that. We can't be dividing over or, or who who baptized them or who even speaks better. Paul's saying, hey, don't do that. I, a I, matter of fact, I don't come with some fancy speech or track the gospel for, you know for 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 the gospel has that power to change lives i i don't do that he was talking about then verse 17 our last verse that we saw last week so here paul continues to explain that it's not the wisdom of words his fancy speech that you know he's trying to gain a following with no that's not what it's about the fancy word it's not that you know like what the world sees it's not those things that the world is attracted to but you know what we're talking about paul is saying we're talking about the simple message of the gospel that saves and changes lives so he comes into this verse saying the world sees the cross of jesus as this foolishness but believers see the power of salvation in it now it's interesting that that paul puts the crucified christ this whole message of the gospel as the message of the cross the message of the cross here in verse 18 you know many of us wear a cross around our neck that is our jewelry yeah and that's that it represents what jesus christ and our faith and salvation in him but imagine if you're wearing that cross and you were transported back in time to the day of paul here in that day you know and you were wearing that cross, and you're walking around, well, I guess they would not only look at you funny because you're wearing funny clothes, but you know what? Seeing the cross around your neck, people would look at you like, something's wrong with you. You're kind of weird. You're crazy, right? Back then, the cross was not the same as today. Jesus Christ, our salvation, right? Back then, the cross was that instrument of execution. It really represented a shameful death. It represented the kind of death that was reserved for the lowest of low of people. Matter of fact, Roman citizens were never crucified. They, that wasn't part of their law. So it would be like today if you wore for jewelry around your neck, if you wore, say, like an electric chair yeah, for someone who's been condemned to death or like for some serial killer. Everyone's going, why are you wearing that? You're, you're kind of crazy. But Paul is saying, the message of the cross, it's foolishness, yeah, to the world. But you know, for us, it's the power of God. We understand what it does. So Paul goes on here in verse 19, and he quotes Isaiah 29, 14. He says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the worldly wise we're talking about, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent or another word for that is the intelligent. Here, Paul quotes the Lord. Now, back in Isaiah twenty-nine, fourteen, Paul quotes the Lord when Israel had followed human counsel and advice to make alliance with Egypt in defense of the Syrians who were coming to attack Israel. Well, it made logical sense. Israel. Well, they needed help. They couldn't defend themselves, so they got Egypt to come and to deal with them. So because the syrians were coming to attack him but they didn't factor the lord into the equation god showed his power in all of this god showed his power if you remember one angel destroyed 185,000 assyrians the story is in second Kings 17 so the lord is saying hey i'm gonna destroy the wisdom of the wise in other words i'm gonna make it nothing you guys think that you need the Egyptians, yeah? Your, your wise advisors say, go to Egypt, get on help." but I'm going to destroy it. That's worldly thinking. That's worldly wisdom. But you, go, you know what? I'm going to bring it to nothing. I'm going to bring to nothing the understanding of these guys who say they're intelligent. So Paul quotes Isaiah to show how human logic is blind to God's incredible plan and his ways his power john macarthur said men are inclined to try to solve their problems and fight their battles by their own ingenuity and their own power but human ingenuity and power only get in god's way i like that 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 says a lot to us just right there well paul goes on here now in first corinthians 1 verse 20 he says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? I mean, who, who in this world is really wiser than God? That's basically what Paul is saying. I like how the NLT renders this verse. They say, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars? That's the scribe. The world's brilliant uh debaters those disputers of this age you you see a lot of the 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 greeks they like to debate philosophy and debate thinking and debate you know all kinds of thinking and stuff so paul's like where's the debaters here god has made the nlt says god has made the wisdom of this world foolish compared to god god is wiser than any philosopher scholar or debater Verse 21, he says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now, it's a little bit hard here with Paul writing, but he's saying, So through the wisdom of God, yeah, he saw to it that the world through its wisdom could not come to know God on its own. They that man on its own and his own wisdom, that they really couldn't reach God. There's no way they could. We understand. We understand that what sin does. We understand that it taints us and there's no way in our own wisdom we can really come to God and make it to God and be right with God. No, and God planned it that way so you know what, that we would rely on God so that we would believe in God so that we would come to God and not come on our own. So that's why God's salvation message is foolishness as the world sees it. As the world sees it, it's like what? That doesn't make sense. How can I do that? How does that help me? How does something that that I I should do to get to God? It doesn't make sense. Well, Paul's saying, yeah, it seems foolishness to the world, but the message preached is to save those who believe. That's the factor to believe. See people cannot figure out salvation that's what paul said it can only be accepted by faith in jesus we understand that right in our own wisdom in our own way in a world wisdom trying to get to god people do a lot of crazy things but the only way is through faith in jesus christ ephesians 2 8 and 9 you guys know this right it says for by grace you have been saved through what faith right and that not of yourself it is a gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast so what's paul saying here all together in these verses paul is saying the world's wisdom and logic only sees foolishness but the gospel is about believing in god's work the world's wisdom and logic only sees foolishness but the gospel is about believing in god's work their way their philosophies their way of thinking and when they see the cross when they see jesus died on the cross what is that it seems foolish it maybe even seems too simple but the gospel we know the message of the cross is about believing in what christ has done for us john phillips wrote our educational institutions preach humanism not holiness They eulogize cleverness, not Calvary. We understand, don't we, the answer to the problems in this world, the answer to being right with God, it's Jesus Christ. The answer to to our whole world is Jesus, because Jesus is the only thing that can change people. And when you change people, it changes society. I mean, think about this. Who knows how to fix broken people? but the creator of people, right? And God has that power to save. God has that power to change. This is what Paul is rolling into. The, the world thinks ah, it, it's this way. The world thinks, well, this is the way. This is how you fix things. This is how you get to God. This is how you're with, right with God. But the world's wisdom and logic, it, it looks at the cross and goes, ah, that's kind of weird. But we know the gospel is about believing in God's word and what Jesus did and what he says of what the gospel does. I mean, isn't it better to listen to what God says and not try and figure it out on your own? I mean, who who who's in heaven? God, right? He would know how to get there. Right. There's that old joke about this minister, a Boy Scout and doctor and. This high tech company founder, they're flying on a uh, small plane. There's engine trouble, and a pilot comes out and says, uh, It's going down. He grabs a parachute and jumps out. Well, there's only three chutes remaining. The doctor grabs one and says, I'm a doctor. I save lives. I must live. And he jumps out with the parachute. Then the high tech founder guy grabs a parachute and says, I'm the smartest man in the world. The world needs me. I deserve to live. And he jumps out. Well, there's only one parachute left. The minister turns to the boy say, you know what, you take the last parachute. I lived a long, full life, ready to go home to be with Jesus. The boy says, well, don't worry, Pastor. There's two more parachutes. The smartest man in the world just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> Sometimes we think we're so smart, yeah, but we don't know, yeah, the difference. Who knows better about how to get to heaven? Well, I would say God. So why would we think we know better? Why, why would the world think that they know better? Oh, what? God says the cross, the meshes of the cross. That, that's crazy. Ah, nah, that's not that. How about when it comes to our lives? You know, I was thinking about this. When it comes to my life, my ministry, why, why do I think I know better? Why do I forget about God? I mean, understand, you know, sometimes in our own logic and sometimes in our own thinking and our perspectives, we only see things certain way. But then God says, do this. And you're like, uh, no way. uh, uh-uh. Nah, nah. I remember years ago when I was on staff at another Calvary Chapel, I remember the pastor felt led to take a step and go on the radio, put his studies on the radio and a radio program. And and it was expensive, you know, and and with our income and the tithes it 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 was kind of like i don't know if we can but he really felt led for that the lord wanted him to take that step well you know what happened as soon as he took that step we paid for the radio time and the production the tithe increased exactly that amount that's god right i mean in the same way our, our logic says you know I don't know, God. This doesn't make sense. It seems foolishness to me. Why are they doing that? Why are the pastor leading like that? Why are you doing that? It it's it it doesn't make sense, you know. Our logic says, wow we cannot afford it. But we forget the God factor. Yeah. We forget that God knows. God says, believe. Just believe. Believe I can do that. And that's what Paul is putting out here. The world's wisdom and logic. It only sees foolishness, but the gospel is God at work. It's the God factor. The gospel is what God has done in working that miracle, and we just need to believe. You know, I'm convicted in this. I'm thinking, how do I normally operate? I mean, a lot of times I I, I like to think these things through and plan things out, and my logic says this. But then God says, no, don't forget about me. Believe and walk in faith. How about you? Are we like the world that sees maybe many of God's things as foolishness? Ah, no, Lord. Or do we believe in God and that his work is happening, that he's doing his work? Well, let's move on here now to number two, the place of wisdom. The place of wisdom. The foolish things of God we have the power, it has the power to save, and now, secondly, it's the place of wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, For the Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Now, Paul's going on here to say how the Jews actually request a sign. They're looking for signs. You know what? I, I you gotta prove to me that Jesus is a savior. I want to see the signs. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to see miracles working through the Messiah. The Greeks, though, the Greeks seek after wisdom. What's that? Well, the Greeks were more into the thinking, the philosophies, critical thinking. They were more into who's more intelligent and smart and who's more logical. The Jews want that supernatural proof. The Greeks wanted proof through human wisdom. But Paul says, you know what we do? We preach Christ, verse 23. We preach Christ crucified, the Lord and Savior who died on the cross for our sins. But Paul then says, you know, preaching Christ crucified, the message of the cross, you know what? To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Why? Why? The Jews were tripping on the fact that the Messiah, or the one who said they're the Messiah, died. They're tripping on that. They're, it's a stumbling block. It's, they're offended, or, or they're taken back from that. They, they missed out the Old Testament prophecies, but the Jews looked at it like, whoa, he can't be. The Greeks, well, the, to the Greeks, it's foolishness. It doesn't make sense. If Jesus, oh, he said a lot of great things, he's a great thinker, a great teacher, said a lot of things about God, but then he dies shamefully on a cross? That's not what happens to, to great philosophers here. That doesn't make sense. It's foolishness. It's nonsense. It's ridiculous to them. The Jews reject Jesus for, 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 not, for Jesus not doing what they wanted jesus to do the greeks re- reject for not saying the gospel not saying what they wanted to say remember the jews were looking for what a conquering messiah to take over the romans they look for power and glory and that they themselves can become rulers of part rulers of god's kingdom the greeks while they look for a great teacher philosopher think thinker and many times they would debate and have these talks and sit around. Why? Because it was entertaining to them. What happened to Jesus? Oh, no longer doing that. And, 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 and since Jesus was not either what they wanted, they all considered this foolishness. Verse 24, Paul goes on and says, But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul's saying, but those who who believed in Jesus, to those who are called, God reached out to them, called them. They responded in faith and were saved, whether Jews or Greeks, to the Jews, Christ is the power. Christ crucified is the power of God. Christ crucified is the wisdom of God. Understand that uh, uh, Greeks, too, uh, that's another term uh, we can see as Gentiles. So have the Jews and the Gentiles, even to the Gentiles is the wisdom of God. No wonder Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weaknesses, weakness of God is stronger than men. So here Paul puts forth this idea with all of this that from the unbeliever's point of view, what they think is foolishness, that foolishness, the message of the cross, the foolishness of God is way wiser than whatever man may think. And then Paul says that whatever the unbeliever sees as weakness in this message, they actually it actually is way stronger than what they think. Well, what's Paul saying? Well, let's put it all together in this next sec- this section here. Paul's saying the world may see the cross as senseless and useless, but it is actually the place of greatest wisdom. The world may see the cross as senseless and useless, but is it is actually the place of greatest wisdom. You ever have those times where maybe the lord leads you to do something and you're like well i don't know it doesn't make sense but then all of a sudden it works out you go wow lord you knew didn't you you knew you know going into the youth retreat um we had plans of uh, we wake up in the morning have devotions breakfast and then go out do some community service work you know on the island and then then in later in the afternoon we go beach or go go sightsee or do something with the kids come back for dinner showers and and then have worship Bible study in the evening. Well, uh, you know, the Bible studies, the morning devotions, we all had planned out. But the middle part of, hey, where are we going to go? Or where, you know, what community service we're going to do? I, I never knew even when we got on the plane Monday morning. I was just trusting Junior has it all together and And so, you know, he met us and picked us up. We got the van and all that and everything. And so what are we doing? And, oh, you're going to do this. I go, oh, okay, great. And even some of the plans and things, you know, I was like, oh, I hope we're not working too long, you know. I hope I'm not doing too much here and, you know, thinking about the kids and everything. But I'll tell you, by the end of the week, God worked it out. God worked it out in all of his wisdom, you know, in, in exactly his plan and his will. It all worked out perfectly you know the amount of time we serve the helping these uh people in the church you know pull uh they they cut down the uh trees and and we helped them pull them over to the chipper weed eating Uh, we went to the preserve on the on the farthest northwest part of the island and we pulled weeds invasive weeds over there and you know, I thought, oh, no, how long are we going to be there? But, you know, it worked out. It, it, it all worked out in the right time. And even I was thinking, well, maybe I should say something. Then the, the the person was going, oh, no, let's have lunch now. And then that was Paul. I was like, oh, wow, perfect. God knows, you know. The world may see the cross as senseless and useless, but it's actually the place of greatest wisdom. God knows. God knows exactly what we need. God knows that Christ. Crucified is what we need for our salvation. We could never atone for our own sins. No way. No matter how hard we work or how much good we did, our sin, one sin, no matter how many sins, that tainted us already. That that already penalized us. We couldn't make things right with the Lord. But God knew that it was sending his son and dying on the cross that his blood shed would be the only way we can be saved and to know God, have a relationship with God, and go to heaven. God knew that was his wisdom. That's what God made for us. That's why the the world may look at the cross, ah, that's kind of crazy, you know, it seems too simple. Don't you got to do something? No, you just believe in the work of Christ. The world may look at it senseless and useless, but you know what? God, in his wisdom, made the perfect way for us to know God. That's why Christ crucified is so important. For their mission, a church put on the archway leading into the courtyard of the church. They put these words, we preach Christ crucified. But you know what? Over time, some ivy started to grow up, grow on this arch and come up. It, it, it started to grow over it. And you know what? At the same time, the church actually began to lose their passion and they for Jesus, and they got lukewarm. Soon the ivy grew up, and the sign said, We preach Christ, covering the crucified words. Well, you know, at the same time in the church, the messages got more watered down, and no longer were they preaching the cross. Oh, we don't like the cross. It's too oh, it's it's too ugly. It's I, we don't like the blood stuff. So they just start t- teaching about Jesus as a great man and a good teacher. The ivy grew more through the years, and the ivy grew more to where the sign only says "We preach." And you know what happened to this church? Well, Jesus was no longer in the messages. The messages were more about life and how to su- succeed and how how to how to get through the hard times and they're all few good kind of messages the ivy then grew more and more through the years until the only word that was shown because the ivy covering the arch was the word we and what happened well the church was no longer church it was a place that was rented out for parties and social gatherings how sad is that paul says we preach christ the world It may see the cross as senseless and useless, but it's actually the place of greatest wisdom, the greatest wisdom. It's the wisdom of God. You know what? Is that our life where the cross isn't as important like it it should be? How Jesus in our life isn't as important and it's become like this church? Well, you know what? Preach Christ crucified again in your own heart and find love and forgiveness and find that god god he wants you back god he wants to restore you all right let's go to number three now our last section the people god uses the people god uses we see number one the power to save number two the place of wisdom and in this foolish things of god we see the people god uses first corinthians chapter one verse 26 For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are are called. So all this is even seen on who comes, generally who comes to Jesus Christ. On generally who believes and comes to faith. This is what Paul is moving into he says for you see your calling those god has called out to those who have responded in faith those who he has chosen to be in his family he says for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh or not many wise according to the world in the world's eyes not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many who are powerful in society in this world. Not many noble, like are wealthy or of high status, high status are called. What the world considers privilege is not how God sees things, and it's not how God works. Paul's saying, you know, the world looks at, well, these are the, the ones, these are the great ones. Those are but but Paul says, look, look who really have come to of faith. They're not like uh, totally generally the, the great ones in there you know long ago i was thinking about this only the upper elite of society and they usually had the money could sail first class yeah when they travel everyone else was down there in steerage or whatever well paul's saying that's not the way god sees things and that's not the way he works he goes on in verse 27 he says but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to put the shame, the wise, to put those who think they're so wise. He uses the foolish things, the nonsense things. And God has chosen the weak things, the powerless ones and of the world to put to shame, the things which are mighty, those who are powerful. Verse 28, and the base things, base you can translate this as ins- insignificant, the nobodies of the world and the things which are despised those who are despised god is chosen and the things which are not in other words the things which are called worthless by the world to bring to nothing the things that are why does god do this verse 29 that no flesh should glory in his presence paul is saying you know what people's skills abilities their social standings how smart they are how much money they have maybe even uh, how you look you know that doesn't get you into a a person into the kingdom what matters is faith faith in jesus christ it's not the strong you know or the good looking who survive right there's that evolutionary thing well it's the strong who survive no that's not the way god works For it's nothing you are or your ability that gets you into heaven. It is God who does this. This is the whole thinking. The wisdom of the world is like, well, we got to do this. I got to do something. I'm the one, right? But God is saying, no, I do the work, not you. You just got to believe. Christ did the work on the cross for us. We just believe in that. So it's all God. And so verse 29, that's what Paul says, that no flesh, no person should glory or boast in God's presence. No, there's no one can say, hey, I got to heaven on my own. Yeah, I got to heaven. I did it. Yeah, I am such a great person. I got into heaven. No one can say that. Warren Wiersbe said, salvation must be holy of grace. Otherwise, God cannot get the glory. And then we went on and said, if we glory in men, we are robbing God of the glory that he alone deserves. I love that. I love that. So, verse 30, Paul says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Hearing minds of Corinthian believers, they are in Christ Jesus saved by the going to the cross. And with that, Jesus became the wisdom of God. Right? Jesus, the wisdom of God is the plan of salvation, the message of the cross. So Jesus became for us the wisdom of God, and Jesus became our righteousness. We talked about that last week. How we are right with God, our position. He is also our sanctification, how practically we grow and become more godly. And he is our redemption, how Jesus, through the cross, bought and freed us from the bondage of sin. And then Paul says in verse 31 that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He quotes Jeremiah 9, 24. He says, basically, you know what? If you're going to glory, give glory to the Lord. If you're going to glory, give glory so our last point for this morning is this. God does the opposite of what the world thinks and shows he holds to a different kind of standard. God do, does the opposite of what the world thinks and shows he holds to a different kind of standard. Isn't that good to know? Isn't that good to know that he does choose the the foolish things of the world, the insignificant Yeah. The ones who seem worthless or useless. The ones who have been despised. That's who God calls. That's who God chooses. That's who God saves and uses to further his kingdom even. At our youth retreat on the first night, we studied how David was picked to be the next king of Israel. Our theme, you know, for the retreat was uh, after uh, God's own heart. You know, that's, we know David, that. What his heart was. But you know what? When when it all first started, uh David wasn't in the running, you know. We were studying in in first uh, Samuel how the prophet Samuel had had come to Jesse and, and, and asked to see his sons. The Lord told him, Hey, go to Bethlehem, go see Jesse. It's gonna be one of his sons, that's gonna be the next king of Israel. Saul had been messing up, King Saul rejected, so the next king, you know. Go see Jesse. So Jesse brings his, his sons over. And they, they made a sacrifice, and they were having a get-together. And so Jesse brings his firstborn, his oldest son, Eliab. And Samuel's like, oh, this is the one. I mean, he looks like a king. Oh, he, he's tall, he's strong, you know, he's king material. But you know what? The Lord spoke to him and said, hey, he's not. Man looks on the outward." But the Lord looks on the heart. Well, then Jesse brought his other sons one by one, all six of them through. And Samuel, Samuel's like, nope, nope, this isn't the one. Nope, nope. They all look great. They all look strong and all. After the, the last one, Samuel's like, well, don't you have any more? Because God said, right, to go to Jesse. The next king's can come from his family. But this is, there's no one here. The father's like, well, yeah, there's one more, the youngest. You know, what's interesting is that David wasn't even invited there to this meeting. He was the youngest. Maybe they felt like, well, he's nothing. He's igni- I- insignificant. He's the runt, you know, of the family. The like, like, well, well, go get him. Interesting. Well, the father says, well, he's out there keeping the sheep. Back then, in Israel, the keeper of the sheep was really a job of a slave. And there's David out there, despised of the family. He wasn't even invited to this meal with this prophet. The other brothers were. Maybe they thought that, ah, he's nothing, he's useless, he's worthless. Yet, when David came in, the Lord told Samuel, God does the opposite of what the world thinks. He shows he holds a different kind of standard. Aren't you glad? Do you ever feel like that? Maybe you're the despised one. You're you're the cast, the one who's been cast aside. You ever feel like maybe you're the least likely one? I was telling the kids, you know, I felt like that, you know, and In in high school, you know, in in your yearbook, you know, you have like MVP or most likely to succeed. You know, if they had a page of the least likely to succeed, my face would be on that page. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you don't fit in or, 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 or you're just this nobody in this world? Well, you know, if you feel like that, guess what? You qualify for God. Because he uses the foolish things of the world. He calls the foolish things of the world. He, He saves us and he uses us to further his kingdom, just like with David. Salvation comes by faith, not ability, not looks or social status. God chose the foolish things to save and to use people like David to further his kingdom. For what? His glory. That God would be glorified. That God that someone could could look at me one day and say, what? You're a pastor? You? I remember when you were growing up. Yeah. But you know what? All glory to Jesus. Yeah, It's because of Jesus. Sometimes we think we know. Sometimes we think we have all the answers. Sometimes what we think overrides even what God is saying. In God's truth, be careful. We don't know. The way he thinks, the way he does things is different. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So let's trust in God. If God could choose us and call us to be saved and use us in this world to further his kingdom, let's trust him in his wisdom and what he thinks. Don't get caught up in your own like, well, I I don't see it, so I don't think it is. Are you all knowing? No. Do you know how creation works? No. Have you lived eternally and saw everything go on in the world? No. Only God has, yeah. One day, students in one of Albert Einstein's classes were saying, they Uh, They were talking, and they decided together that there is not a God. And it was after seemingly having this logical discussion. Well, Einstein, hearing that, asked them, how much of all the knowledge in the world did they collectively possess in this class? The students went and talked a little bit. They came back saying, well, we have, we collectively, our minds, all our us these students we collectively have five percent of all human knowledge here well einstein thought that was a little generous but he said is it possible now that god exists in the 95 percent that you do not know i like that yeah because it makes me think about sometimes i think i know Sometimes I have it handled. I have my life handled or I have this handled or I have this situation handled. But then God's leading me a little bit different. But no, I don't know, Lord. Yeah? Actually, I don't know. I don't know. It may be logical to me, but I must remember the God factor. Yeah? There's the God factor in this. Maybe you feel like today that well i don't know can god really use me i don't know can ah, i am not sure i i'm not that great maybe you're thinking today i i don't know if god can really help me yeah why would he love a foolish thing like me why would i mean there's there's people more worthy or people more greater you No, know what it says here god calls and chooses what the foolish things the that the, the the insignificant, the weak things, right? God is here for us. Sometimes our standards get in the way of our, our faith. But God wants us to believe so that we can see His power work in our lives. I'll close with this. um, in the, We find in the Bible unlikely uh, people that God had called, chosen, and used... Um, And this was, I found this. Here's a letter to the church board. The subject is pastor search committee report. And this is what the letter said. We do not have a happy report to give. We have not been able to find a suitable candidate for this church to be the pastor. The following is our confidential report. First of all, Adam, good man, but his problem but has problems with his wife. One reference told us how he and his wife enjoyed walking nude in the woods until God finally made them put clothes back on. Noah preached for 120 years with no converts, prone to unrealistic building projects. Great animal lover, but the last neighborhood received a flood of complaints right as he was leaving town. Joseph A big thinker, interpreter of dreams, and has a prison record over rape accusations of his boss's wife. Moses, while poor communicator, stutters many times, sometimes blows his stack and acts rashly in business meetings. Some say he left an earlier church over a murder charge, often claims to get direct quotes from God. Elijah all prone to depression, collapses under pressure, doesn't blend well with other religious leaders either. Jonah told us he was swallowed up by a great fish. He said the fish la- later spit him out on the shore near, near here. Three days later, we hung up. <laughs> John says he's a Baptist, but doesn't dress like one. Maybe too Pentecostal. Tends to lift both hands in the air to worship when he gets excited. Sleeps in the outdoors, has a weird diet. Peter, too blue-collar, has a bad temper, even said to have cursed. He's a loose cannon. Timothy, too young and inexperienced. Well, says the letter, we intend to keep looking until we find the perfect pastor. I like that, because we see the characters, the people in the Bible, they weren't that great either, right? David, yeah, the apostles, all the disciples, you know, just uneducated fishermen. They they weren't that great either. In the world's eyes, they were foolish things. So you know what? We're in good company, yeah? We're in good company. We are following these guys, these saints who went before us. And the great truth is, by God's grace, he chooses and uses people that don't live up to the world's standards. And I'm glad. I'm so glad. Because that's me, yeah. That's me. We're all in the same place. We're all one of the foolish things of God. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and we are humbled, Lord, by the fact that you would love us, Lord, that you would have grace upon us, and that you would choose us that you would reach out to us and call us to be saved, to be one of your children. And then they broken and weak, and uh, we keep tripping up and messing up. We say the wrong things and have the wrong attitudes, yet you still, Lord, bring us in, and you, won't, you use us to further your kingdom. Lord, I think of the failures in David's life, yet you still kept him there as king. You didn't take him out. And, Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we're humbled by our own failures and sins. But we thank you for the cross and the message of the cross, that there we can find forgiveness, that there we can find cleansing, and there we can be restored and have a new start. Jesus, thank you so much for what you did for us. And, Lord, thank you that you do choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Lord, be glorified in how you change us and how you transform us. Be glorified in how we become new people and we can live for you. Be glorified, Lord, in all that we are in you now, Jesus. It's all because of you. Lord, let us stop thinking that it's me that has to do things, that it's me that has to attain that it's me that has to please you. But let us see it's you that have done everything. And that's you that loves, works in our lives, helps us, answers our prayers, Lord. God, help us to have faith and trust in you, Lord. That even us foolish things, you still work. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are.